you are listening to Give Grief a Chance, and I'm your host and advanced grief recovery specialist, Diane Morgan. And these podcasts are all about bringing grief awareness out into the world, because even today, my friends, grief is hidden and it's tucked away. So come along and join me on this journey. Let's start to bring grief out into the open and maybe you'll be brave enough to give your grief a voice. This is episode number seven. Hello and welcome. I hope you're all enjoying summer. I feel like it's just flying on by. But I have to say, I am totally enjoying this warm weather. And I was thinking about families with young children, because summer can be such a busy time, running around, dropping off and picking up children at camp, arranging playdates and babysitters. I remember it all too well as I was thinking back to when my children were little, And I wanted to make sure that they were busy and having fun. Which brings me to today's podcast, where I'll be talking about special needs and grief. And I'm very excited because I have my first guest and her name is Giselle Romanino. Now, Giselle is a single mother to a son who has low functioning autism. He's nonverbal and he has an intellectual disability. He also has ataxia, which is a form of cerebral palsy. He's 15 and his name is Jacob. Hey, Giselle. Hey, Diane. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on today and sharing your story. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. So Giselle's up in Canada and, you know, I was, you know, I was wondering how to talk about grief and disabilities because, you know, some people might not look at it as grief. So this is what I came up with and correct me if I'm wrong after I've said it. Okay. Okay. All right. So autism isn't what you would expect when you're looking forward to the arrival of your new baby. And I can imagine that you're never prepared for that diagnosis. And when you found out, you must have experienced such a wide range of emotions, including grief, because it has to be painful to want something so much, and yet you didn't quite get what you'd dreamed of. And so therefore... The grief that you feel is not for the autism itself, but it's for the loss of the hopes and dreams for you and and your child. And I'm sure that when you heard the diagnosis, you must have realized that your life was going to be so different from what you'd expected it to be. And that having a child with special needs is going to present many unique challenges for you. So how did that resonate with you? Did that was that okay? Actually, Diane, you hit it right on the right on the spot there. 
it's true. When you're pregnant and you're expecting a child, you're, you know, you're expecting a typical child. And then when you find out later on after you give birth and many months down the road that your child isn't developing normally uh, and going to doctors and trying to figure out what is wrong with your, your in my case, my son, it was devastating. Right, right. Can you tell us how you discovered that Jacob had a disability and how did you react? Sure. So Jacob's my first child and as a new mother, um, I was very, very nervous. Um, It actually occurred to me at the beginning was when Jacob wasn't meeting any milestones. Um, And when I would go out in the community, to spend time with other mothers at the mall or a center, an early year center here that we have in our community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jacob wasn't doing what uh, another child of his age was doing. So by his first year birthday, he wasn't able to sit up on his own. He couldn't hold his own bottle, let alone pull to stand or crawl and walking. He never did that till he was almost four years of age. And the funny part of it is, is that I had a nurse for the first year of Jacob's life just showing me videos, what to expect. And it wasn't until Jacob turned, well, he was close to one years of age, that she said, oh, your son is not doing as many things as another child would do. And I'm like... Okay, now you let me know. But all the meanwhile, I've been go- was going to his pediatrician and talking to him about my concerns. But the pediatrician kept on saying he's a boy. Boys are slower than girls, and he'll do it when he's when he's ready. And my spouse at the time agreed with that. And I, in my heart, believed that there was something more. So I ended up going to my family doctor. And my family doctor advised that this is not normal. And right away, he got us connected with services in um, to come to my home, like occupational therapy, uh, physiotherapy. Um, also, he, he recommended us to a neurologist. And the wait times for assessments um, is very long. So it took... It was probably a year, so about 18 months is when Jacob uh, officially got diagnosed with a developmental delay. So he didn't meet any of his milestones. And that's when the craziness began, because getting that diagnosis of a developmental delay, which meant you have to teach him everything from, you know, getting physiotherapy to help him to pull to stand, to crawl, to, to eat independently, So we were going to many, many, many therapists um, that were coming to the home, but also we did alternative therapy as well because it was my mission to help my son reach his full potential, whatever that potential was going to look like. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's that's when we first um, realized that there was something wrong. Now, it wasn't considered, it was a delay, and it was a delay assessed for a delay for many years until Jacob was four years and eight months, and he was reassessed with autism spectrum disorder. So Jacob has low functioning autism, as well as he's nonverbal. And Jacob is 15 today. Well, right now. Right. And so just to get another diagnosis and not realizing 
what autism is all about when you're just trying to research and do everything that you can do to get your child to catch up and then not be able to um, realize what you need to do because autism is a spectrum. Right. And for you, it sounds like you had, you know, one thing and, you know, you're trying to get used to one thing and then you get another diagnosis. Right. Right. And then while Jacob was in the intensive program, which was another wait list of two years, so he was almost seven, uh, I realized in my gut that there was something else wrong, that he didn't flow and jump like the other kids that are in the program. And I know people say you don't compare. Each child is different. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. they are different. But I needed more answers. So I had sure. to... I saw another neurologist, and he was diagnosed with ataxia, which is a form of cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. so he doesn't realize where his body is in space, and that's why he's very cautious when he goes up and down the stairs. So, yeah. So he so, can walk. He does walk. He does walk, but he can't jump. He can't ride a bike. Um, yeah. Wow. He gets by. Yeah. He, gets by. he does need assistance. So and to keep him safe, right? Right, he right. Understand safety as well. And so. um, what are the challenges that you face as a parent with with a child with special needs? Well, well, from the beginning of my journey with Jacob and his diagnosis, it was trying to balance it all. I was working full time while I was caring for Jacob. Mm -hmm. There was such, so much to know, and not always. Um, easy to navigate the system. There's so much that doctors uh, would tell you and what government services were provided. I think I did an overall good job. Um, it was a little bit easier to manage Jacob because he was younger mm -hmm. and smaller. Um, but as the years progressed, it became more difficult. And the challenge of having to work full time and taking Jacob to appointments, whether it be speech or physiotherapy or, or whatever therapy we're doing at that moment, it was very um, exhausting for both of us, for my spouse and I. Mm -hmm. um, I did a lot of um, meetings and IEPs, and I know this terminology, unless you're a special needs mother, would understand it's a plan um, for your child when they're in school. Uh, for goals, because my son is not in school for academically. He's in a life skills program. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So to build his, yes. Right. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit just to last year because it really, the challenges really hit home. Last year, last summer, Jacob was going was going through puberty. There was a lot of changes going on. He was very, very aggressive. And all I can do was try to get help for him, calling everybody and anybody I knew to get myself on a whole bunch of wait lists to get help for him. And all during that time, um, I separated from my husband. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So and I was married for 18 years. Wow. Now, we, always, we didn't always agree on um, things for Jacob. Um, the, what I wanted to do sometimes was different than what he wanted to do. So I think the struggle of my 18-year marriage, and now Jacob will be 16 next week, mm -hmm. was always there. But I guess it just 
took its toll. Wow, wow. Where do you get your support? And where do you get your strength from, Giselle? Well, to be very honest with you, since my separation, I moved in with my parents. Um, I'm very lucky and grateful for them. They, They support me and Jacob, which is amazing. I have awesome friends. Um, Also, I go to church. Mm -hmm. I try to meditate. But when you're actually going through the motions and feeling what you're feeling, it's difficult. It's difficult. I know that I'm stronger because of it and because of them and just looking at my son and Mm -hmm. I get the strength through him as well. Because life isn't easy for him. Right. Well, we take for granted. He has to work really hard for. Sure, sure. So that's where I pretty much get my strength. Gotcha. And, you know, I'm sure that you're so busy taking care of Jacob's needs that your needs end up on the back burner. And I'll bet that there's been times and there are often times when you're just so exhausted and stressed out that you don't even think about yourself. I mean, what do you do to take care of the caregiver? You. (laughs) That's a good question. It is very difficult because self-care goes out the window. It goes out the window when you're exhausted uh, from managing your day-to-day life with your child on your own. Um, So self-care, the only time that I really, honest to God, get true self-care is every other weekend. So after 12 days, I get a break when Jacob goes to his dad for the weekend. So I go out for coffee with a girlfriend I'll be honest with you, I do a lot of sleeping because I do need to recharge my batteries for the next week. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm sure. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. And what concerns do you have for Jacob's future, Giselle? Well, the unknown, because Jacob will never be independent to live on his own. So you you have to think now of what his future is going to look like. And it's scary. And I try to be honest with you, I try to block it out of my mind, but it's reality. Right. So, you know, if he'll be in a group home, who he will be living with, making sure he has the support when I'm not around. Mm-hmm. You know, even down to the support when my parents aren't around and I'm on my own with him. Like that's just the present future that could be in 10 years you know 15 years we don't know what the future holds right right that's scary for me very scary because they help me out a lot wow wow and and i have to ask you know what are your future dreams for yourself giselle if you could wave a magic wand now what are your future dreams well i hope And I pray that I'm able to live on my own with Jacob, to have an independent life, to be able to have the supports in my home um, that will be able to care for my son. So I am able to um, have a life or meet up with friends, even a companion, go on vacation, just what everybody else wants to do. I want to be able to do that as well. Right. Oh, I can imagine, you know, and Giselle, I hope that, you know, for you, all of your dreams come true. 
you know. And, and what advice, to finish up here, what advice would you give to mothers and fathers who have a child with disabilities? Well, what's helped me along the way is not knowing that you're not alone. So actually speaking to other uh, parents, joining support groups, because I felt it was so rewarding when you actually spoke to another parent that walks in your shoes every day, even though it's not exactly, but they do understand mm -hmm. and ask for help because there's no shame in asking for help. Right, right. And Giselle, you know, thank you so much for being on the pod podcast today. You know, it takes courage to share your story. And I am sure that there are so many people out there who can relate to what you've told us. Mm -hmm. So a big heartfelt thank you. We really appreciate you sharing. And, you know, as is the case in any grieving situation, Mm -hmm. Taking action for recovery is the best solution. And, yes, sure yep, and that means having someone to listen to what these families are experiencing and preventing these feelings of loss mm -hmm. from becoming a permanent part of your life. And, you know, the grief recovery method offers proven direction in helping people deal with emotional loss. It gives mothers not just a chance to express their feelings without analysis, criticism or judgment, but it also gives them tools to make it possible to move forward. You know, it's a guided journey to dealing with all of the things that they might have wished had been different, better or more in their relationship with their child. So that's it for this week. I hope that this podcast was helpful for you. Again, a huge big thank you to Giselle. And if you'd like to find out more about more information about the grief recovery program, or if you'd like to share your story of loss, please visit my website, www.diantmorgan.com and drop me an email. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. Feel free to like it and share it. And follow me on Instagram at dianemorgan9200. And I wish you all a wonderful week.